gentlemen. Let me hit start recording. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode 35 of Zed Daily. I have Akapuk from Swift Silks Racing with us today. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, uh, you know, just here. I'm really excited to, uh, you know, to be on. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I think you do a great job with this show every day. I know I enjoy tuning in on my lunch breaks and, uh, you know, I'm excited to share the story of Wavelength. Awesome, man. So before we get into Wavelength, let's just get into crypto in general. What was your story and your journey into crypto like? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I actually, so I'm like 30 now, so I'm, you know, not, I'm no spring chicken anymore. Um, and I actually got into it after crypto kitties in late 2017. So I'd kind of been on the, you know, I'd looked into Ethereum that summer. It was like 15 bucks. And I was like, it just started. I was like, man, maybe I'll get in. And it just never, that, or that was a few years prior. Um, so, you know, it was like right around my birthday, I remember. And I saw this article about CryptoKitties and I was like, I, for whatever reason, that was like what it took to get me into crypto. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, people are just like printing money, like breeding these cats. Like, so that like motivated me to really get into it. Um, and I've been like in crypto gaming ever since I'd say. Um, I used to be in a pretty um i used to be in a group that would you know like help um game developers like promote their new crypto games uh but back in 2018 it was all like what we called hot potato games um which is a nice way of saying like a ponzi scheme mm. uh like everything was smart coded like the contracts were coded to have the price go up and up with every buy but eventually the prices would get so high that nobody would buy it from you so somebody was left holding a really expensive mm. bag uh so needless to say crypto games have come a long way <laughs> um and, you know, I actually had the idea for Zed Run back then. Um, I just thought like it was a perfect, you know, like it made sense. Like my now wife, um, her dad is a huge horse gambler. Like he loves the ponies. You know, we'll be out at dinner Friday nights. He's betting, you know, all the tracks. He's betting Woodbine. He's betting, you know, uh, Del Mar. Um, but, you know, it was, it, I was like, this has to, you know, this be brilliant. Now I'm, I don't code, you know, I can't do any of that. And I'm also lazy. So you know, after the bubble burst in 2018, I kind of just, um, I, I kind of got out of crypto. I, I sold a lot of it, but I kept some Ethereum in a wallet and just kind of forgot about it. Got back into it in the summer of 2020. Um, played Axie Infinity. You know, I've always been into the crypto games. Like that's kind of what I like. I'd rather do that than just hold an asset. Like it just feels, you know, like, and I've had good experiences with it in the past. So and uh, then finally, um, you know, got into Top Shot, of course. I feel like everybody comes on here. They're like, oh, I was in Top Shot. Right. Um, and then at some point, like, I think somebody, uh, just a friend of mine just was like, you know, there's this thing Zed Run. Have you heard about it? And I was, I mean, instantly I was in because like it was, I knew it was a great idea. Like it was something I'd thought of like, you know, a few years back, like, and it was just, you know, and it was great because it was, I, I still think it's like the most polished and there's really nothing that comes close. Like Axie really isn't, it's apples to oranges. It's a different type of game. Um, nothing really comes close to the experiences that it has, even though they're still in beta. Um, but that was kind of, you know, that's my experience in the crypto space and, and kind of all that over those few years um, and leaving the space and coming back. Um, as soon as I heard about Zed, I was, I was in. Okay. So then when you bought, so knowing about like play to earn games when you found zed run was it investment or still kind of entertainment at that time it was um like i knew well it was definitely more entertainment like 
I knew I wasn't early, let's just say. Um, I knew I was pretty late to the party. Uh, like it's that time where like there's still money to like when I got into the game, probably in like April, May, um, there was still some money to be made from breeding. But it at that point, it didn't make sense to like start a breeding stable from scratch with the intention of making money. Mm-hmm. Like the return just wasn't there. Um, and, you know, I mean, with a project like this, it's inevitable, like the floor for like a horse that isn't a good racer or isn't a good breeder is going to be worthless. Like that's just to me, I don't know. That's always made sense. Like, I don't really worry about floor prices. Like, so for me, like looking at where it was, like when I was entering, um, what I thought, I thought my best bet to make money was racing. Cause I kind of saw the writing on the wall with breeding, um, well-played, like, I wish I got in, you know, at the start, like, if I heard about it, I definitely would have been in. Uh, but for whatever reason, I've been living under a rock. Um, and, you know, I, th- I thought that my best opportunity was to race. Uh, because, you know, I look at some of these horses and the money, especially arbitrage, um, you know, some of those horses, um, the eye popping returns and, and, you know, back, I, I was still entered when there were odds, uh, the tail end of odds, um, fatigue wasn't implemented yet. So, you know, like arbitrage is just racing his horses like a hundred times a day, um, just racking up money. And I thought like that was my best opportunity. So I kind of sat, I tried to get a horse through the uh, one of the drops um, in April or May, of course, like was not able to get one. Um, my MetaMask has never worked slower. Um, and, but luckily, like I was able to get a horse in that million dollar giveaway, um, which was named the All Seeing Eye, a Z10 Genesis mare, bittersweet shimmer, you know, nothing remarkable. Um, and that was that horse formed the foundation for what is now a stable of probably 40 odd horses um with well i'd be lying if there said there wasn't additional investment but um you know that was kind of the um that was the horse that started it all and ended up being the mother of wavelength so let's go into wavelength what is the story of wavelength let's start with breeding how'd you go about breeding this horse racing it and then selling it Okay. Yeah. So, um, I really got into Zed. Like I started, I, I firmly believe that if you do the research, like it'll pay off in one way or another. Um, if like, nobody knows what, nobody knows breeding, like for sure. Nobody knows anything yet. It's all theories. As long as you have a theory, I think you're doing good. Like as long as you're doing things with purpose. Right. So, um, as I kind of, I, I kept the all seeing eye on race only bred her a few times. Um, but I bought this other racer named Roosevelt. Uh, she is like a Z10 or Z11 Finney legendary. She was a proven racer, bought her for like 0.6. Uh, I've since sold her for like about 0.6, but I made 0.2 racing. Uh, but that horse like allowed me to learn about racing, right? At the same time, I was learning about breeding. I was developing my own theories as to what made a good breeder. I was super into times. I'm still, I'm still decently into times, but like not as much as I used to be, but back before I bred wavelength, I was really into times, like, you know, a globally exceptional time on know your horses. Like that was like the goal, you know? Um, and I was just kept like looking into things. I was listening to Zed insights. Like I was listening to X, Y, Z, like I was just forming all this knowledge, like as to my theories as to like what made a good breeder. So I had that going, I had the racing going with Rosabelle. So I was learning how to like race a horse efficiently. Um, 
and I had already bred a few things with the all seeing eye. Um, cause that was the only like female I owned for a long time. So all my breeds, you know, I was going to the stud barn. Um, I had already bred a, I'd bred a super coat with like my third breed, I think of the all seeing eye. So I'd already done that. And I was like, I just want to, you know, what I'm going to do this time is I'm going to breed for color. Like I always liked Chrome yellow. And I thought that was like the coolest of the non-rare colors with electric violet being second place. Um, so I used that to like narrow down the studs. So initially off the bat, I was like, I'm just looking for Chrome yellow. I want a beauter in Genesis. Uh, I think I was using Haku. Um, I use both Haku and know your horses for different things. Um, for this particular one, I was using Haku. And I remember, you know, there were only like 20, 25 chrome yellow buterin genesis and stuff at the time um and i kind of put all these different things you know i knew about breeding together so sky rains is the name of the stud that i selected um he had you know probably the most important thing um is that he had produced a profitable offspring he had produced a horse named Redbeard ventures i think he'd made like 0.2 ish ethan profit over his racing lifetime um and still was like a pretty young horse um, when I combined that with like Skyrain's performance, like he wasn't a total donkey, right? Like he, he, I, I think like I would never breed a horse that has never won a race before. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like it just, it just doesn't feel right to me. Um, like, and I also think you can't go wrong with just like it, picking a winner, like, you know, as long as it's not entirely uh distance preference, like any winning horse, at least you got a strategy. It's like, you know, of course it's natural to like breed with a winner and expect, you know, a winning offspring. Mm -hmm. Um, but with Skyrange wasn't a total donkey times wise, uh, variance was pretty low, which I liked. Um, I still think that low time variance could be an indicator of something. Um, you know, I've since, this is something it's interesting in hindsight. Like one thing I noticed, like I had evaluated a lot of like bred horses, right? Like Steph Curry main event, um, to see like, if I could find like a pattern with the parents, um, and like one thing that I noticed, and again, like, this is just kind of my mindset at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't, not saying I believe this now, I kind of do to a degree, but I noticed that the parents that were raced of these like monster bred horses, they had a lot more first place finishes than last place finishes. Um, I still think that's really important. In fact, in the Zed breeding guide, um, it says on the website that an indicator of baseability is horses that have less bad days on the track. Mm. And I don't think it's that far of a stretch to say less bad days means less last place finishes. If you look at like, I think the prototypical placement shape is that Nakamoto L, you know, like all first, like no last. So to me that like epitomizes like what you look for, like in terms of like a sign of, of base ability. Um, and with Sky Reigns, like, you know, he had, I think it was like only one or two more, but it was like, you know, he had more first than last. I was just like trying to, it was like between him and another stud at that point. Um, and, you know, all that together, like, so yeah, like, was it luck? Absolutely. But like, I had a purpose, you know, so that's what feels so good about it is like, you know, I know it was 99% oh, luck, but you know, like I had a reason for picking that stud. You put some um, thought into it. Exactly. You know, and, and it kind of all, it's just crazy how it all came together. Cause like I was learning about racing with Rosabelle because that's important. It's like, you know, I had a horse, I, I invested in a, in a racer that I identified would make me a little bit of money. It wasn't going to be a monster, but make me money. And I think that's a great step for stables to do if they can afford to do it is like some people say buy like a break even racer, like 
like just buy something that like, you know, spend a little more money if you can on something that hasn't is proven to be profitable. Um, and that's the best way to learn, you know, cause you're not going to learn much by racing. I don't know. Like, I just think it's, there's so much more you can learn if you have a racer that you feel confident in like throwing in there. Um, so it, all this kind of came together, like my racing, like finally like getting more comfortable racing, like learning all this stuff about breeding and like implementing my own theories. Um, and I got wavelength. So, and it's electric violet. And I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. Cause like, it was such a low probability on the step stables uh, calculator. How much did it cost to breed? And then how did you pick the name wavelength? Yeah. Okay. So it was like point, it was, it was minimum at the time. So like 0. 0.036 or whatever minimum was before they just changed it uh, for a butte Genesis. Um, for the names, like I always, I take a lot of time on my names um, because for exactly the reason of wavelength. Um, so with wavelength and I actually, um, I am a, I work in advertising as a writer. Um, so like, I'm used to like naming, like I love naming stuff. Um, it's always like a fun project when it comes through. Um, so with wavelength, you know, I just looked at like electric, you know, it's electric violet, electric, like what words are electricity or like, you know, what is like waves are kind of like related to electricity. It probably got there from like electromagnetic wave. And then it's just like Google and word, you know, like synonyms and stuff and word association and also like check in, you know, I know your horses or Haku, just typing in the names to see if they're taken. Uh, so that's how I name all my horses. Um, and with wavelength, yeah, I mean, I was lucky, you know, I loved the name. Um, I thought it was, you know, a good, it was, a, it was a quality name. It was like one of those where as soon as I thought of it and I saw it was available, I just took it. Um, yeah. So it was, you know, like 140 bucks at the time and, you know, named, named him wavelength and it was a Z18. So male, female, like, I don't care. Like it's, I'm racing it no matter what. I'm not, care to i don't really care about breeding it um so i throw them in a griffy and, and i've never had at this point like i was just starting to learn about synthetic u-shape horses like i just like the first horse i had rosabelle that racer she was a u-shape like a like a variance u um so i just never like i had just seen avison too like a few days before i bred wavelength i looked at avison i was like wow what a what a crazy horse you know because i'm still like relatively new to the game at this point I think a lot of people still don't realize there's a differences in, you know, what forms a U. There's two very distinct differences um, in how you can get to that result on a placement chart. So I had just seen Avison. I was like, wow, a horse that just consistently does good one way, consistently bad the other. Like, what a horse. Like, that seems so much better to me than, you know, this horse that you throw in. You never know if it's going to be really good or really bad. Um, so I threw Wavelength in a 1600 meter uh, Griffey, which again, like, nowadays like if i had a z18 legendary i'm only gonna be hitting like a thousand or like 2400 because like 1600 like you're i don't know like unless you have crazy amounts of variance with the z18 like i feel like you're not really gonna pull flames i i just don't think 1600 is like a very useful distance and with wavelength too like if i wavelength came in sixth no flames so that's my griffy right so wavelength six no flames and 1600 meter I don't know anything about spike horses and like who would think, I mean, there's no odds at this point. So like you just assume like you probably, probably not a good horse. Right. Um, but then, you know, as I kind of, I, I moved wavelength around, I think the next race I ran was like a, a, a 2000 meter. 
uh, wow, Wavelength has so many races. And I'm like trying to like go back to the history to like refresh my memory. Um, yeah, I think it was like a 2000 meter and Wavelength did like, okay. Like Wavelength flamed. Um, and I think Wavelength came in first place actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Wavelength came in first, in like a $5 or 250 class five, something and okay, 2000, that's good. So what am I going to do? I just flamed and, you know, one. So of course I'm going to enter 2000 again, moved up to class four, came in sixth, but flamed again. So I just, you know, was like, okay, well, let's just keep going further away from 1600 this way. So ran, racked up three first place in a row, 24, 22, 22. And the buy-ins at the time, because remember this was back when, before they like limited the, the stakes for the classes. So like looking back, it was a $5, it was a $15 and a $25 back to back to back first. And the times, you know, cause I'm still, you know, like I said, like I do, I don't think times are meaningless. Um, you think times have a, like, it may not be mean times. It may not be min max but there's something, there's something at times. I, my new theory is like a gap theory, like the amount of time between first place and second place or 11th and 12th place. Um, but back then discovering wavelength and I see wavelength put up 130, 130, 130, you know, 130 point, whatever, but you know, on a global, uh, you know, for 2200, like the average is like 132.2, mm. the global average speed. So, you know, at this point I'm like, well, this is really good. You know, like all my, the times are great, you know? And then the next race, I think it came in like fourth and it put up another 130. And the next race, it came in first with like a 129.8, which beat the field by well over a second. And at this point, like I've been moving this horse up and up. Um, right around then is when I listed the horse. Cause I didn't really know what, what I like, I knew I had, you know, like a promising horse, but I put it up for 0.75, put wavelength on the market for 0.75. Um, and then I think I bumped him up to one <laughs> after one of the races, but I don't know. I was like scared to, scared to race him further. He looked so good, but I didn't want it to all be, you know, false, false hope. Um, and I remember that unethical racing was the first stable that reached out to me, the first racing stable. Um, and he, he wanted uh, wavelength for 0.33. So, so he had it like, to be fair, like wavelength was still pretty improved. He did flame and win a $25 race at this point. So, you know, not super. And like looking back, one of the $5 races that wavelength ran early on, he outflamed a really good horse. Mm. Like in hindsight, that would have been a pretty good indication. Um, but, you know, there was a chance, you know, and somebody, it was up for one, like wavelength could have been yours for one Ethereum. Um, after that though, like after I realized like nobody was going to give me fair value for this horse, like, and I think this is a mistake a lot of stable owners make is like, they want a ridiculous price for their horse. That's only one in like free races or like $2 50 cent races. It's like the only way you can get what you're asking for is to race the horse more throw it in a $5 or $10 see if it flames at least, you know, like that'll, that's the only way you're going to get like close to that value. Cause nobody's going to pay a crazy amount. So like when I realized that with wavelength, I was like, I'm just going to race with, I mean, it was like 0.03, you know, the breeding costs, like, I'm just going to hold on to this guy, like see, 
And Dan Shan, I remember I had posted in Zed, uh, the Zed run general chat and discord and Dan Shan told me like, keep testing that horse, like, keep pushing it, you know, like keep going up in class and keep going up in stakes, like until, you know, you, until it fails really. And that's what I did. And I'm, I'm so glad I took that advice. Um, and you know, it, it didn't take long until I think I was in class three and, um, I'm seeing like princess of power, you know, and, um, and finally I worked up the balls to like enter wavelength against princess of power and wavelength won the first nice. go around. So I'm just thinking, you know, and that, but the time it really clicked for me, this, the time it really clicked was I was, in, I made it to class two. I was in a $50 race against LBJ. We both flamed. I'm sitting on the couch with my wife. I'm watching the race. I'm going, holy shit, holy shit. Cause Wavelength won that one too. First $50 race, Wavelength won. And at that point, like, if your horse is beating Princess of Power and LBJ's first go around, it can't be like, it can't be like, it's like clearly an inferior horse. Like, that can't be the case. Like, fail to believe that. So, and sure enough, like, I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, you know, the whole, the whole time, like, you know, flaming pretty much everywhere. Like, and, and what was cool too, is I think a lot of people, there's so much like I've learned now that I never would have known. I'm sure you could say the same about diamonds. Like you don't really understand things until you have a horse that is like a caliber that is like above, you know, you're entering like $25 races and not batting an eye, like not really looking at fields that much. Like it's, there's a lot you don't really, people won't understand. And like, one thing that I definitely like took away from the wavelength experience is the importance of flames with distance preference. Um, it's it, I mean, they're gospel, like, you know, it's, I guess before we get into that, like I'll talk about, um, like one of the coolest things to me about the wavelength experience was just, it gave me like a connection to some of these top stables that I never would have had. Um, you know, Royd Rager early on messaged me, um, you know, he was interested in wavelength. Um, and I remember asking him, I, cause I'd never had a horse like this super high distance preference before. I didn't know I'd never raced it at 1000 meters or 1200 meters. So I didn't know like that. It, I was like, maybe it won't down, <laughs> you know, like now, of course in hindsight, that's foolish, but like I asked Royd Rager straight up, Royd Rager told me he'd like, he was like, I'd be surprised if it didn't down at sprints, like he could have, like, he was completely truthful. Like this community has been so great. <coughs> Sorry. You're good. Um, the top, you know, the top stables. I remember that was really cool. Like being able to talk to Roy Rager, um, after one of the princess of power races, um, arbitrage reached out, uh, is it Keith, right? That's his name. Uh, yeah. So it's a K I think it's a Keith. It's Keith or Kevin. Kevin. Is Kevin, it Kevin? Kevin? Okay. So it's Kevin. Okay. So Kevin reached out, but his name isn't like arbitrage racing, right? On Discord. It's just like kind of like a variation of his name, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. So I don't know who this person is. Like, you know, and I'm like, oh, thanks. Like, you know, he's like, we've like looking really good out there. And I was like, oh, thanks. Did you have a horse in that race? And he was like, yeah, I had Princess of Power. Like, I've got a few. I was like, holy <laughs> cow, you know, it's arbitrage. Like, right. 
you know, and, and so it was just such a, that was one of my favorite parts of the experience. And now even just like, it's like wavelength gives me a, a reason to be here, you know, like a reason to be on this show, a reason to talk to, for people to want to talk to, to me from these like bigger stables, like, um, and everybody's been so, so kind, um, you know, arbitrage, the whole, like arbitrage really made me understand the importance of flames with distance preference and really just in general, like, you know, he views them as an end all be all kind of like with distance preference. So that's kind of how I view it now too. Um, like this new horse that I know we were talking about before this, like it didn't flame in a $5 class four and I'm just like devastated over it. Mm. Like it, it, it racked up two back-to-back firsts at $5 after that with flames. But I just like, I'm already like nervous. I'm like, I didn't flame. I think it has distance preference. So, you know, it, it does, it matters, you know, especially with distance preference. And, um, and I mean, it's just, you know, the whole time, like, cause I raced wavelength. Like if you look at the profit charts, like, I think that like be having that experience with Rosabelle and that's the reason I brought up Rosabelle, my first horse that I bought for racing is cause like, there's no way I would have been able to race wavelength as efficiently if I hadn't owned that horse. And also if I hadn't had the guidance of some of these top racing stables. Um, so with, you know, so I owned wavelength for like a month. Um, and that time was like, I mean, that was the Zed dream, you know, like born from the horse I got in the million dollar drop like I took wavelength to like over an ETH profit and a hundred races. If you include the tournament, um, you know, I made, you know, like people might not realize, I know that you will, but do you want to talk about the sale a little Let's bit? Let's go. Yeah, or, go for it. Go okay. For it. Well, go. before the sale, I do want to say that I pioneered downclassing before tournaments, but, but like, so what I did with wavelength, the first tournament, is because wavelengths like he wavelengths like crushing it like wavelengths like sitting like top 10 on the leaderboard after 30 races for this inaugural tournament and i didn't know like nobody knew how they were going to like group the quarterfinal races but i thought like man i'm in class one right now at the time i didn't know if there were like there were some rumors that they were going to lock horses in classes like after that tournament that it was all some big you know scheme to get horses up to their true value and then they were going to be like okay that's where you are that was my main motivation. Um, but I downclassed wavelength like aggressively before tourney qualifying ended. Um, so I stayed in a, but what I did is like, it gave me an easier quarterfinal matchup and wavelength won like mm. handily. And it was so clutch because like with the tournaments, like people don't realize it's a big risk for the top stables to participate. If you have a monster, like your expected ROI, especially for these new tournaments that don't pay as much as the inaugural did, like your expected ROI is less a lot of times. Like if you're expected turning performance, like to, to sit your horse, you're like not race them to their full potential for like seven days, you know, and then like still have like a kind of a toss up as to how much money you're going to make. Right. Um, but like with Wavelength, it was, it was clutch because like Wavelength won the quarterfinal, had a horrible draw, finished like 11th place in the semis against Dank, Dank, Goose, and Ready, Set, Boom. Um but because I won that juiced up quarterfinal pot, um, it like, you know, it was like 0. 0.4 Ethereum. Um, so I ended up selling wavelength for, you know, a hundred or, you know, after like a hundred odd races after like almost exactly a month. And I had that quarterfinal win. I participated in the first tournament and it just felt like the honeymoon period had come to an end. 
Um, I don't know if you have stress when you like manage a uh, diamonds at all, but I know I, I talked to you a little before we started about it got a little stressful with wavelength. Cause like you start to, I don't know. It's like, it becomes scary in a sense that you have this thing that like my bad days were still like $200 days with wavelength. Um, and my good days were like six, $700. I mean, there was a day I pulled them like $700 and that's just like grinding like 10, 15, 15, 25, $50 races. Um, and I do think that that's the best way. Like, it, it, you know, it was a commitment. Like I tried to maximize, I would run wave like 15 races, max 24 hour period. Like I was, you know, like he was every time he was fresh, like He's running. he was going out there. Exactly. And that takes time, you know, and especially with the race generation in the state that it was. And I mean, you know, it was, you know, you're watching like a hawk, you're on your computer for a, for a long time. You can't be passive. You know, some of these races fill so quickly. Now, luckily with the higher stakes, you know, that's less of an issue, but it's also a balancing act. Cause it's like, if you throw wavelength in a, I've noticed Roy Rage would do this and it, like, I don't know why, but like, there's a $50 race that spawns and Roy Rage will throw wavelength in right off the bat. I think that race took over 24 hours to fill. You got to wait. And meanwhile, there's like, you know, 15, there's 10, 15, $25 races popping off. And it's like, oh, like there's so much expected value that you're just leaving on the table because then you can still enter the 25 or the 50 dollar raise um and people won't be scared off by the first entry beam they pull up the race oh wait months and oh never mind um but yeah like it just got to a point with wavelength where you know like people are throwing out and i remember arbitrage was like really going after wavelength because at the time arbitrage like wanted another marathon runner i don't know why like you if know it's good he wants it man if i know good. like it's crazy because like at the time you know he's still at lbj like he's got princess of power like it's like i want another marathon so he was aggressively pursuing either wavelength or fairy dancer um it's funny because he actually got i remember him talking to me about fairy dancer and saying the owner was being really weird like negotiating i wonder why mm. um but, you know, he was, he was, you know, throughout this whole period, you know, he was like in on wavelength, like really planted that seed. It really made me think about, you know, like I had wavelength listed for like 15 Ethereum or something ridiculous, you know, at first. Um, and I took him down to like 7.5, I think was like what I had it as. And I was like, eh, you know, like, cause if somebody wants to pay me this, like, you know, I mean, I definitely, every horse has a price and for a legendary beater and I'm a great racer, but you know, uh, I found out the hard way, zero breeding desirability in the current game state. Mm. Cause I threw wavelength into stud thinking he'd be a hot commodity at minimum price. And I had to, I had to buy horses and breed him with them to get him out of stud because that was more like, I had already messed up, right. That like, I needed to get him back to race. Like, cause yeah. I was losing money every, so it, for me spending that money, I mean, the whole thing was dumb. I never should have put him in the stud, but at the time it was like, I need to get him back so I can make money. You know, it made sense to like buy, to like get him out of jail. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was, um, you know, arbitrage was kind of like, you know, hammering me about, you know, I want to buy wavelength. And then I was kind of like, I was warming more up to the idea uh, after the inaugural tournament, like felt like they nerfed my horse um 
I don't know, like I was entering wavelength in all these fields that looked really weak and it, they weren't, it was just horses I hadn't heard before. Cause all the class systems were all messed up, mm. you know, or all the horses were like in different places. So I see all these new horses and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to outflame them. Like they must be trash, you know, like, cause with wavelength, it's like, you're winning. Like, I think you're placing like over 50, it was like almost 50% of your, your, your marathons you're placing. And these are like, you know, I was not shy about putting wavelength in against pretty much any field. The only one I just shied away from if, if it was like Princess of Power and Fairy Dancer or like LBJ and Fairy Dancer and like another horse that had like a 90 something percent. That's like the only situation I really shied away from with Wavelength. Um, but, you know, it was, um, you know, it was gotten to a point where Arbitrage then messages me and he's like, would you be offended by like a four Ethereum offer? And I was like, no, like he was, he was like, would you be offended if I put it on open sea? Like, he was like, obviously don't accept it on open sea. Like we can avoid the fees, but like I just put it on there and it may help you advertise the horse. If you know, people see that there's this offer from arbitrage and no, it didn't offend me at all. I mean, you know, I think that pricing racers is very easy, especially one like wavelength that doesn't have any breeding value, which I experienced firsthand, at least not in the current state of the game. Um, if a horse has zero, you know, breeding utility, it's not going to breed is not going to add any value. So all you're looking at is racing performance. So with wavelength, he had made, I made 1.26 ish with wavelength in a month. Um, but I knew that was not sustainable. The writing was on the wall, you know, all these horses, like I had seen firsthand, the fields were a lot tougher you know, wavelength was still flaming, but the, the finishes were just nowhere near. I, I think wavelength went like 25 races without a first place. There were a lot of twos and threes, but those aren't, you know, not what I was used to. So I knew that like the, the ROI wasn't sustainable. I figured it was probably more like half of that, if even like going forward. Mm. Um, so at that point, it's just a simple calculation of like, as a buyer, you know, how many months in advance do you want to be paid? And as a seller, you know, how many months in advance are you willing to pay before you make your money back? It's as simple as that. In my, in my opinion, it's just like buying a rental property, buying any sort of asset, um, is payback period. Right. So with wavelength, like four and a half Ethereum is what we landed on because arbitrage sends me four ETH offer. And of course, you know, I just want to see. So I messaged like basically any stable that had previously expressed interest, um, Roy Rager being one of them. And, you know, he, he was like, I can do 4.5. And I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. You know, he'd been on it, you know, he'd helped me out early on with wavelength. Like I knew you know, he was really excited about the possibility of owning the horse. Um, you know, I do kind of, you know, in hindsight, like I probably, I know I could have got more money if I like held off or like attracted a different buyer, maybe somebody who didn't already have a stable floor racehorses. Um, like I know D'Artagnan from uh, Naruto, he was pissed off. He said he would have offered at least five. Um, but, you know, I think like the only thing I kind of regret is like the concentration of power in Zed and like what that does, like when a top racehorse moves to a top stable. Um, and that was like, on, like for me, it was like, I was honestly like highly motivated not to sell to arbitrage for that very reason. Um, now you could say like Roid Rager, it's like, not much better but um 
but at the time it was like well this is good i'm giving like roid at least i'm giving somebody who like knows how to raise ammo against arbitrage in these marathon races um but yeah i mean that's definitely that's probably the only regret i have i don't regret like the price i feel like i got fair you know turning 150 bucks into 20 grand making five exactly. grand on top racing like you know when i got paid you know i hope arbitrage like the, the goal would be that Roid Rager makes his money back and then some. He took risk, you know, he paid premium up front, like, you know, and, and we'll see. Like, it looks like he's right now, he did get a hand pay of probably like a little over half an eighth. So he's probably sitting at like 2.3 right now on profit. So he's made like a little over Ethereum, a profit on Wavelength in the maybe two months since I've sold. So you think that's like half an eighth a month? So, you know, you're looking at like nine months payback mm. if that, if that holds up, that's how I look at it. It's like he paid nine months in advance and he's going to make that money back with the wavelength. And that's great. And I think when you look at, you know, pricing racehorses like that, so it's always a win-win, you know, if, every, if both parties are looking at it that way, how could it not be, you know, everybody's being compensated what they feel they deserve. So, you know, the only regret I have with wavelength maybe is like the concentration of power that's, that's really it. Um, you know, every so often, like it is, you know, I was really spoiled and I, I'm really spoiled now. There's a lot of horses now that I don't know, like they're probably profitable 250 racers, but I just like forget about them. Cause mm. I'm just like, ah, oh, like it's not a $25 pot, you know, like, but you know, it's, uh, I feel like, you know, it was a, a, a good journey like it was kind of like the best month that somebody could could hope for um and i know how much the horse means to like you know people who you know only have buterins to mash together it's you know i mean they're a horse like it's going to be tough for like a buterin legendary to come that that can outdo wavelength after that but but it could happen you know there's always that chance um so it was it was quite a journey from start to finish. It's a hell of a story because I, I had the same thing as you when you're in the game and you know about these big stables. Right. And you know about these big horses, you know, about arbitrage, Roy Rager, Princess of Power, LBJ, LBJ Goat and all that stuff. Right. You like you only wish of having a horse like that. You don't really expect to get one. Right. And so like you were saying a little bit earlier, you watch everybody on your laptop or on the screen. Right. But then one horse, it makes it real to where you're on the screen and you're talking to these people, you're racing against those horses, you don't care the buy-in. It's like it totally changes up the game for you from one horse, like a superstar horse, to a regular horse. And I smiled when you said it went from four to four and a half, not because you accepted it for four and a half, because it's a hell of a feeling when you got Arbitrage offering you four and then Roy Rager at four and a half and then D'Artagnan at like five, you're like, God damn, I got something on my hands. I know I can either keep it or sell it, but somebody wants this horse. Yeah. Oh, it was, you know, at the time, like, you know, I mean, I'm still in as deep, arguably deeper than I was with Wavelength. So that part didn't work out. But, you know, like, you know, I got a puppy, you know, life was just kind of picking up. So it just felt, um, you know, I was like, I would rather just not be, it would be stressful you know, if like I didn't sell wavelength and that's the thing too, is like the, the pricing of these horse, these race horses is so, it's so dynamic. Like, you know, if said implements a change, like think back to like the original fatigue update, like, bam, I mean, instantly 
you've lost at least half the value of the horse right there. At least, you know, things like just race, even just little stuff like race selection, you know, like people don't think about that and who may not own a top horse, but like, that is so important. Like to make, you know, that, that affects the ROI. I know a lot of people are having issues. I was having issues after the inaugural tournament with wavelength, um, where the races just weren't there. Like they just weren't being offered. You know, they say like class three is up to 25 bucks, but there, you know, you go 24 hours without seeing a $25 marathon race. So, you know, it is, especially when you have something that you're projecting income of tens of thousands of dollars a year, there's a lot of stress. It may seem like a first world problem and it is, Mm -hmm. but, but you know, you, there's a lot of, there's a lot that could change and a lot that's outside your control. Um, so yeah, you know, I just felt like, you know, I'll get the, get the money, get, get what I thought was, you know, I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't be happy about making 20 grand worth of Ethereum? Um, and I was able to play the game like the way that I never thought I'd be able to play it. Cause I never wanted to, you know, drop 10 grand on horses, but now I'm playing with house money. So yeah, let me, you know, I've made some dumb purchases too. Like, you know, speculate, Oh, unraced Genesis Buterin for 0.3. You know, this was like back a month ago, but still, you know, obviously I've lost some money on that. Um, you know, or like, Oh, I'm 0.5 for a Genesis Buterin that had a good Griffey. Mm. yeah you know let me just throw this wavelength money around uh probably lost like point point three five on that mm. i don't think i'd be able to get much more than four um but you know it's been fun like i probably have you know with wavelength i i really it was like i had rosabelle i had wavelength i had like the mother i had the all-seeing eye um and like a couple just random donkeys you know high z number breeds and stuff um but now I have, you know, like close to 30 horses in uh, my racing stable. I've got like probably another 10 horses in my breeding stable. Uh, I've got like, it's allowed me to kind of play the game a different way, which I, I love. So, you know, it's not like I've stepped away from the game. Um, I've just kind of refocused. I'm focused more on breeding, trying to replicate that success. You know, like I'm either the dumbest person in the world or the smartest mm. because like I'm either the guy who like, won the lottery and kept playing right or i'm the guy who does it again you know i want to be that that second guy i'm playing with house money you know like i've got i don't know i already bred you know i got one horse in for the maiden that is looking like it's got some uh some distance preference uh 75 uh show rate through nine races so um i will see we'll see what but, was uh, what was the best reaction you got when you told someone outside of Zed Run about turning $128 into what you said, 20,000? Oh, yeah. They're just, I mean, it's, I don't think people can like comprehend. I don't think I told my mom. Um, I told my dad, but it's just like, I told my brother, you know, like I've told like family and stuff. Um, and it's just, you know, they're just like, how? Like they don't really comprehend like how that's possible. Um, I mean, they all think it's cool. I mean, my, my wife is pretty supportive. Um, you know, her dad, I mean, her dad's a huge horse racer. So, you know, I remember her brother was like, you know, he was always like, he was like, when's wavelengths next race, like send me a link, you know? Um, so I don't know. It's just like, you gotta be, I don't know, like people just, they, they, 
it's just for some people like they just can't even like comprehend they're like what do you mean like you're racing digital horses you made 20 grand like okay like that's good um but i don't try to you know share it i mean what's crazy is like the days where you make more than that like i don't know how arbitrage still has a job like i asked him too apparently throughout this whole thing when he was racing his horses hundreds of times a day like when there was no fatigue he was doing his day job Mm -hmm. and I don't know. Cause like, I don't know if you've ever had a day. Well, I know you've had a day with your tournament win, um, where, or your, your Netflix race, uh, win where you make more like, you know, that than like any job you could have. Um, the only other time I had, it was like in 2018, there was like a brief period of time with a different game. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's crazy uh, it's when that crazy. happens. It's so, it's a trip, dude. It's it's um I'll ask you this. Did your perspective did you ever like question why Arbitrage and Roid Rager would spend money on these racehorses before you had Wavelength? And then when you have him, did you realize like, oh, I see how much money you guys can make every day. I see why you guys are buying these horses for hundreds of thousands? No, I think that I've always I don't know, like Zed. I think it may just be because like, I, like, I know this is such a great idea because it's something that I've thought of, you know? And like, as soon as I heard about it, I was like, yes, like it all makes sense. Like none of that stuff, like even like I brought up earlier, the floor, like eventually most horses should be worthless. If somebody wants to pay you five bucks, like take the five bucks, you know, like, I think that is the end. It's a, a stage of Zed and I've never been, I've been like, well, yeah, of course. Like, what did people think? Did people think that people were just going to be able to breed horses and make money off right. the on race horses forever? Like, I mean, what did they think was going to happen? To me, that's just, it was always, you know, as clear as day. Like, why would I complain about that? That's just, it's the way that the market works. Um, same thing with racers. It's like, because of how I view pricing horses and like evaluating horses and their profit potential. Um, no, I was always, you know, like I spent, 0.6 on a horse that made 0.02 but i thought you know like this horse can be profitable and i made another 0.2 off that horse in like a couple months and then sold it for the same amount that was rosabelle um no i mean i think you got to spend money to make money and i know arbitrage was i know he said you know they were a lot more comfortable in the odds era um so you know it's a little different now in that in that sense but um you have a pretty good idea you know depending on how your your horses are uh i wonder if my horse actually ran <laughs> i forgot to check quarterfinals or semis the semis oh yeah it already ran let's see, semis see how already did. Ran? i think so oh wait no i'm an idiot it wasn't scheduled yet okay i think we still got maybe like 15. okay yeah and then sorry, I was like, oh god, you're I good. Because I got two in there too. I'm like, oh shit, I want to watch yeah. it. <laughs> sorry about that. You're good. You're good, man. Um, but no, I think that I don't know. I think that people just need to have realistic expectations on pricing. It's like nobody, nobody's gonna buy your horse if they think they're gonna lose money on it, right? Like, and with these, you know, I think that the top stable is like the only thing preventing other people from doing what they're doing is capital like everything else is is there to learn like there's so many resources out there 
you know, there's, everybody's been so helpful too. You know, I mean, it's like, I've been giving great advice every time I've asked for it, no matter who I ask. So, you know, everything's there, you know, do the, re- that's what I did. You know, it was at the end of the day, I, I will maintain like I, I bred wavelength with purpose. Like nobody will ever be able to take that away from me. Now, was it luck? Yes. But I still bred with purpose. I feel like you got to do things with purpose in this game. And it may just be your own theory, but just go for it. You know, like if you're like, I think that times are the most important thing in the world. Figure out what that, what, what it is about times, you know, like, um, or, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's ways to identify horses. Like if you kind of understand how distance preference works, you know, you may be able to find a great deal on a racer that was given up on because it was being run at its down distance. Mm. Um, you know, I think that it's really just capital. That's like everything else. If you're willing to put in the work, like the resources are there for you. You know, I would fold laundry and listen to like Zed Insights podcast. I put it up on, on my TV on YouTube and I'd just fold laundry and I would just have it on in the background. Um, you know, I think that, yeah, you just, you know, if you put in the work, like you can become one of the, like, you need the money, you need the money. But if you have the money and you learn how to be smart with it and you're disciplined, there's, you can, you know, somebody could walk into the game with a big bankroll and absolutely compete with these guys. Yeah. I love that you said theory because I, I had the same thing theory in a different way, but just theory and buying a horse like my first Z2 horse. Like I love that the same thing. Like whenever, if I do sell diamonds, I don't think I will. But if I ever do like the, the whole process behind buying a Z2 legendary was theory of like Serena Williams and LeBron James. If you put like two super athletes together, what do you get? It doesn't always work. Yes, it was luck, but I love what you said. Go in with a plan. So if it does work out, like you get that satisfaction. And plus you got something to build off of from there. You're like, okay, I've seen that my theory does work. It's not a hundred percent hit rate, but the more and more I keep trying, this could play out and be consistent. Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, like I know there's a lot of tools out there now. Um, and I bought an annual Zedge pass a couple days ago. Um, I don't think you need it. You know, I, I don't, I think if you're willing to put in the work, like there's nothing those tools are going to tell you that you can't probably figure out on your own. Um, it's just, uh, you know, for me, I've kind of seen it as like a first step in my research more than anything else. Like, you know, my big, like that tool, like some of the, you know, it could give you a high edge and you look at the offspring and you personally think they're garbage, mm. you know, like for me it is. And I think, I guess this is like kind of like a Dan Chan school of thought offspring performance, but like, I look more at like ROI. Like I really don't care if a horse is like flaming in free races and it, all the offspring are flaming in free races, you know, whippy, you know, like I want to see that, like for me personally, like I want to see, and it happened with wavelength and I've been doing it with my breeds ever since I want to pick a stud that has a horse that's making at least like 0.1 Ethereum lifetime. Um, you know, I think that, and in general, if, you know, the tool would tell you, those are probably pretty good breeders because the offspring are doing well. Um, you know, if you look at a horse, if a horse, you know, like you just said with diamonds, like, I don't think like that's the most natural strategy in the world is to breed together winners. Like, I don't care what any tools say at the end of the day, nobody knows really what they're talking about. It's all theories. 
I mean, some, you know, people put a lot of time and resource. I'm not trying to, you know, like rain on anybody's parade or like diminish their accomplishments. I mean, I bought the tool, you know, um, but you know, at the end of the day, like winners, like they win, you know, their offspring you'd think would have a better right. shot. I mean, that's how it works in real life right. too, with like, you know, bloodlines and stuff and horses and just, you know, I think that there's a never a bad strategy. Just have a strategy. You know, you can't go wrong breeding winners together. I don't think, I don't think you can go wrong, you know, breeding horses that have produced profitable offspring together. Um, you know, have, if you think the A shapes make good breeders, go for it, you know, find two A shape horses, knock them together. Um, but just have like some sort of plan, you know, at the end of the day, like it is, it's going to add up, you know, especially if you do like in-house breeding now, like the only reason you're doing in-house now is to try to hit on a racer cheaper. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, you're going to like, you know, you want to go through a lot of horses. You want to try to find that. Um, if you're going to be breeding the same horses over and over again, you better make sure that those horses like can produce, um, you don't need the tool, but like, I do think the buterin barn on Zedge is, is free to access. Like I would highly encourage anybody to, you know, at least fool around in there. Um, but you definitely, no matter what you use, you just want to make sure that you're, you're you've got a reason, a reason for doing it. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. So if you could change anything in Zed Run, bring back odds, take away flames, take away fatigue, do whatever you want, change one thing, what would you change and why? Oh, I knew. I was watching yesterday, and I I was like, man, I better have a good answer for this question. I never thought about it. Um, I think that really, like, you know, I think that, con like, okay, content. It's, it's a huge problem because, like, Zed, like, what are they doing? Their Twitch stream is just like races. There's race replays. Like there's no interaction. There's no engagement. Like you have people from the community um, that are leaving or, you know, people that are, that were creating content. Um, they're just leaving in droves or they're taking breaks because they don't feel appreciated because Zed is not doing anything to support their content creators. It's a huge problem. You know, I work in advertising and community engagement I mean, that's huge. You know, you, you need to keep, keep your user base happy, informed, you know, feel like their voices are being heard and feel like they're appreciated. Um, and right now, you know, like I really, that's why I hope that, you know, like things improve now for, for this era where, you know, you're, you're creating content. Maybe I'll, you know, dabble. I don't know. We'll see. Let's go. Um, but you know, like, I just hope that there's more support going forward. And like, if you're having tournament races, like I understand the Netflix, like the first Netflix race, like, come on. Like it, not only did you not publicize it, but an insider was able to get into that because you didn't publicize it. And part of the reason was because they didn't tell anybody. If, if the guy who owned Sentinel, if he, if he didn't know that he would know about the race before everybody else, like how would he have been able to get in? I don't know. Um, I mean, probably he would still know when, I mean, he was working there, but um, like, how do you do, like, I get the whole, Oh, it's, you know, the quickest draw. Yeah, that's the example of a good idea, but it's just, it's a good and a bad idea. Like, that's cool. That's creative, right? Oh, it's quick draw, you know? But the actually, I mean, in terms of like you think it through, like it's a horrible decision. Like you should publicize that. You should be streaming that. They should be having dedicated streaming events. They should be bringing content creators like yourself 
onto the Zadron Twitch official and, you know, like doing stuff, they should be bringing actual horse race commentators on, you know, they should be doing big events like that. You know, I saw uh, today that they've got 800,000 races, over 800,000 races uh, that have been done on Zed in total. It says it on the race page. Um, why not do, plan something cool for the millionth race? You know, why not schedule races in advance? Mm. You know, why not have a race that is scheduled seven days out, you know, and it's open to everybody, but the idea is, you know, it's a crazy buy-in. It's another juice to pot, the top stables enter, but you make a day of it. You make an event of it. You know, you engage the community. It's just, I, I don't understand. Like these are so such basic things. And I understand that Zed's still in beta, but you know, it's, it's not hard. like, this is stuff that I just feel like they're really dropping the ball on. And it really is, you know, why don't we have a fund for content creators? Like why are why are why is there not any sort of, they, I don't know. It's like, they don't really acknowledge the people doing content. Then the people feel unappreciated and they leave. You know, I was listening to, I've been seeing them. I know you've seen them too. Like all the people I'm taking a break. Like I'm not going to do this. I, I was in my car yesterday, fired up the Zed insights podcast see if there was anything new there was it was a seven minute episode about how he's taking a break you know like i think that they got to keep the community engaged and they got to keep a positive you know, the calm about the sentinel like when they broke the sentinel news that was a great communication why can't every communication be like that why can't everything be that transparent why does it take you a month to respond to bg you know it's like you saying, Oh, we're going to save it for like this blog post about like something unrelated, like just put it out, mm. you know, people just want it. They want it now. Just, you know, just put, it's better to be quick, you know, than to, Oh, we're going to combine this with something else. No. So, and like all of that being said, I'm incredibly bullish on that. I mean, if I wasn't, I wouldn't, I would have taken my wavelength money and I would have ran instead of investing at least half of it back into that and back into razors. So I'm optimistic. I think that they're, you know, I think that things are going to get better. Um, in terms of content creation, they can't get much worse. Uh, in terms of them on their own, like people like right. you are doing a great job. They need to make sure they're supporting you guys and also doing stuff of their own. Um, you know, cause nobody's tuning into Zed, you know, it's, nobody's tuning into Zed's Twitch to, you know, what, and that's another thing we talk about advertising dollars. They need to be able to prove impressions and audience, you know, and reach, and things where they need numbers for, you know, if somebody looks at their Twitch channel metrics and sees that they got like a dozen viewers at any given time tune into the, you know, the, the horse replays or the, the races, like why not have an event where you can get a thousand viewers, mm. you know, how great would that look for advertisers for potential partners in the future? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that now with the partnerships and that things are looking really bright in terms of money, like, think they're going to be very financially stable um you know and as long as they can you know continue to improve and and listen to people and communicate with them i think that uh the future of the game looks very bright i'm with you man 100 percent. do you got any questions for me man um did you get so you got paid out from the fair the sentinel thing right you got your money for that yeah, it was the day uh, Coin Market Cap glitched, so everybody was like a billionaire for a couple hours, and then like my account went wacky. It showed like a a billion bucks or something like that, and then once they fixed it, it showed that they'd sent me the money. So I took half of it. Oh, that's crazy timing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know it was weird, right? I was like, 
I was like, wait, do I really have this or did they just send me the money? And I was like, oh, I think they just sent it to me. So I went and uh, bought the Z6 Fini Genesis, uh, keep it 100, saved some, paid off credit cards, all that good stuff, and ready to roll for the next one, man. Nice. What, uh, I guess, um, I don't know. I don't really... I don't really have any. I mean, I don't know. I thought I'd have a question. It's all good. Thought if I did that and leaned back, that it would pop in my head. But Dude, I'll, I hey, sometimes I'll, I'll sometimes when someone's talking, I'll totally like forget my question when, when it's my turn to talk. So I'll just blurt out the most random question. So <laughs> it's all good. It happens, man. It happens all the time. But where can people contact you at? And if you're gonna start making content, where can they watch you at? Yeah. So, um, I think right now, like the best thing to do would be to follow my very new Twitter account, uh, at Swift underscore silks. Um, I'm on discord as Akapuk. I usually have Swift silks and my, my nickname on most discord servers as well. Um, you know, I'd say follow the Twitter for now. Like I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to create a new, I have an old Twitch account. Like I'm not sure if I would use that or what, um, you know, and I'm, I got a lot, lot going on in life. I'm, I'm also lazy. So it's a big combination for procrastination. Mm. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I would say, you know, follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm on most of the, you know, I'm on Know Your Horse server. I'm on XYZ. I'm on, um, you know, the Zedge. I'm on Zed Run General Chat. I love it in there. I love being a part of the peanut gallery. Did you just say you love Zed Run playing. General? I do because like, you know, I think that most people have good intentions. Like, I think that what's great about that is like the passion, like the, it's so much better to have passion than to not, you know, I, I think the alternative, like it's that chat being a ghost town is so much more horrifying mm. than like people complaining too much or, you know, I, I think that overall, like I've been, I've definitely been in more toxic communities. Um, I think that most people have good intentions and I love to talk and I love to debate. So it's just, a, I feel right at home, you know, Awesome, man. Well, sweet. <laughs> I'm glad that you're in the Discord helping people out. People out. That's awesome, man. But thank you so much for your time. It was great talking to you. Nice meeting you, man. And I'm sure I'll see you on the track or I'll see you in C1 if you get any, any new wavelengths, man. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really, uh, really appreciate it. Really enjoyed my time and uh, keep doing a great job with these uh, streams here. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Thanks, you too.